word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. A key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Welcome to the, the next episode of Headroom. I was saying to Del Reed, our, our guest here today, that I'm conflicted because I am a, for those that know me, a diehard sports fan. I go to sleep at night listening to podcasts about sports, and I wake up checking scores and talking about it with my nine-year-old. So this is selfishly something I'm, I'm excited to talk about, but I actually want to talk more about the human side of what Dell has done over the years. And so those of you that are sports fans, when I say Bill's Mafia, immediately you're going you know, to recognize uh, that name and what that means in the sports world. And we've all seen, I think, the impact those that know Bill's Mafia sort of the day after a game, and you hear about teams and players that are contributing and giving back and this sort of thing. Uh, it's just fantastic and, and happy accident is from what I can tell that, you know, over the years has turned into an incredible organized effort to support kids and families and, um, and projects that, that should have attention to them. So with that, I'd like to welcome in uh, Bill's Mafia co-founder, Del Reed. Del, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so let's let's kind of get the backstory out of the way for those that say, "Oh, I don't know what the Bills Mafia is," and now they're never going to forget it. Give us that that ten thousand foot view of how it got started, and then we'll dive into the community and what it means. Uh, you know, especially in Buffalo, the city of of good neighbors, isn't that what Buffalo's? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking right now at a sign that says, "Welcome to Buffalo, City of Good Neighbors," right here. In our world. <laughs> um, that's our, our 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 nickname. But yeah, so. A 10,000 foot view of the Bills Mafia origin story would be uh, a, a joke, an inside joke between a group of Bills fans back in 2010, 2011. That phrase wasn't coined for any specific uh, reasoning. It was, well, I mean, there was a joke behind it in terms of us, a bunch of us got blocked by Adam Schefter. I was going to uh, say, who, I thought it was Shefty that blocked you guys, right? Yeah, he, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, like I said, it was just a, a, a joke that we made. We were teasing him, and this is 2011. Like internet trolling wasn't quite the thing it is now. So I always, <laughs> I make sure I make a point in every interview, saying we weren't swearing at him, we weren't being nasty, we were just teasing him. Because anybody who's listening, who, who knows who Adam Schefter is, uh, pretty much all information in the NFL flows through him before it reaches you know your Twitter feed or your 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 news radio update or anything like that. So the fact that, you know, he shared a tweet by Stevie Johnson, like a year, a year, felt like a year, um, the next day, which is um, a, a long time in terms of, you know, how Twitter works, everything's so quick. Um, so he shared a Stevie Johnson tweet a day later, a bunch of us teased him about it. He blocked a bunch of us. And so I, I coined the phrase Bill's Mafia to refer, to refer to the five or six of us that got blocked by uh, Adam Schefter. And then it, that's all it was. It was going to be one tweet. And fast forward at that point, seven, eight months later, other fans were using it. Players were using it. Uh, it just began to grow and grow. And so we had an opportunity to, to do something with it. And 
you know, as we'll probably get into with, you know, what I do now for a living with 26 shirts, my, my uh, knee jerk reaction to everything was, I don't know, let's make a shirt about it. So we were making shirts that said Bill's mafia on it. And uh, people were asking, well, is this all this Bill's mafia thing is? Cause it was starting to really grow and we had a Twitter feed and, and a website. And it was all just about being a Bill's fan that, that, you know, there was no real mission to it at that point. It was all just no objective at that point. A, right. Yeah. And so, um, and that's kind of where the objective or that's where our, our calling card came was when people would ask like, why are you selling these shirts? Are they, you know, just to make money? And we were using cafe press, which is a website. I don't know if you remember years ago where you could upload images and basically they would print the shirts for you and you could make a profit, which was minuscule, but um, we weren't, you know, we hadn't taken any money to account. We had no plans to really. And so we decided the, the three of us who really chose to take the ball and run with it, we decided that, any money that we made from any Bill's Mafia merchandise that we made, uh, we created, we would give that money to charity. And I think that's kind of where it all started. Um, so we take decided you like- Take me inside, Dell. So you, you, you have this start to go viral and those sports fans know Adam Schefter and that sort of a thing. And just the fact that he blocked you, I mean, it's maybe it's the sort of the kid in me that thinks, oh my God, you, you know, you, you drew attention from someone who's got a national spotlight and platform, right? And so there's, I'm sure that that was sort of a fun experience, but take me inside that space between you come up with a tagline, right? Just sort of off the cuff that really sticks and you see people that are now using it. Was there any concern that when you realize that, man, this is something that all of a sudden it could get away from you very, very quickly. Like I wouldn't take that for granted that a lot of people would maybe come up with something interesting and then it's just gone. It's in the ether and thousands of other people are sort of taking it and running with it especially in today's day where everybody has a brand, it feels like everybody has a YouTube channel that you come up with an idea and you let it go for even five minutes, it could be gone. Did you ever fear that? I don't know if I feared it so much um, because it was, it was so hyper local. Um, and, and Twitter was, 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 was smaller back then. I always joke that I think I knew every Bills fan on Twitter at that point. Um, <laughs> so you know, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, obviously back then Twitter was kind of like a niche activity that people had. Now it's kind of ubiquitous throughout America, right? Almost everybody has a Twitter account. Um, and, and so when it started to take off, people, I think, knew what the origin was for it. You know, other fans kind of knew. We got lucky in that a local news uh, station did a, a piece on it, you know, back when it was really embryonic still. So we had actual video out there of us talking about how we started it and everything. So, um, and you know, fellow fans too, you know, honestly, they kind of helped police it in the early days when people would start to take, you know, the term Bill's mafia and, and do other things with it. Like other fans would be like, you can't be doing that. It's very protective of, of, of everything. And so we were never really in a position where we had to, to fight anyone or, or anything along those lines. We honestly, we won't really, you know, looking to, you know, I'm a big believer in treating everything with an open hand. And if it flies away, then it flies away. The, the, the tighter your grip on something, often the, the slippery, slippery, the more slippery it gets. Um, so. So it never had that. It I mean, of, it, was, no, it was in a it, tight community. Yeah. And it, I mean, honestly, if you fast forward a few years, once, you know, um, Deadspin and Barstool, discovered the you know the term i think that's when it started to really grow up and leave the house um but at that point i think that 
you know, the people that knew, knew. And I think there was enough articles written about it at that point. So that if you Googled Bill's Mafia, like our names would come up and, and everything. So, um, and also like everything has a, everything has a, a life cycle, right? And, and so we never looked at this. I always looked at, at Bill's Mafia as something that belonged to all Bill's fans. I wasn't trying to dictate or steer too much uh, in that regard because who am I? You know, all I do is make a joke and suddenly there's this banner now that, that Bill's fans are, are uniting under. And I always say, if it wasn't Bill's Mafia, it was going to be something else because Bill's fans are a, a tight-knit group and uh they have strong opinions and they're very active in terms of uh defending their team and their fanhood so um, so we go so we go from a tagline which is fantastic right and it just people immediately have a response to it there's got to be some things in between that and 26 shirts and not only 26 shirts but but we could really do some good here um and or you could just be about sports. But to me, this is so much more like now the sports component is almost in the background of it. Not in a bad way. It's just that you now have a platform at what is it raised over 1.3 million, I think, as of this morning I saw on the website. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. So at what point did you either look at your wife, Christy, or your friends and say, gosh, I didn't know that I was maybe, you know, put here to do something like this, but this is what we're going to really put our energy into. Yeah, so um, leading up to, you know, the genesis of 26 Shirts, was in two, which was in 2013, so a couple of years after, you know, Bill's Mafia had been coined, and as, you know, you know my social media audience was growing, uh, and I always joke that I read too many Spider-Man comics as a kid, and Uncle Ben uh, says to, to, to Peter Parker, you know, to whom, uh, or was it, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so you know, makes, you know, that mixed in with my faith and everything. I really felt like if I have this platform that kind of fell on my lap through an accident, like who am I to make it about me? Because I, I feel like I didn't earn it. Like I fired off a tweet and, you know, I made a couple of decisions along the way to make sure that, you know, it kind of this movement that was beginning um, kind of went in a direction that wasn't detrimental to the team or the fan base or anything. But like outside of that, like I don't really deserve any of this attention. So I have to use it for good. And um, during that two years, we did different, we did tailgates and we did, you know, different fundraisers and stuff like that. Uh, not a ton, not a ton, like maybe two or three a year at most. But um, it reached a point where we, I had done a couple of different shirts and everything and um, like different, not with 26 shirts, just mafia themed shirts and stuff like that. It was fun to actually watch people like buy the shirts and enjoy the shirts and wear the shirts. And we were able to raise money for, you know, different causes and everything. And it, it, during that same time, our Twitter feed was, or our Twitter audience was growing and growing the, the official Bill's Mafia Twitter, which is now called at Buffalo fan base, like family, family. Um, this guy reaches out to me and he says, you know, Hey, can you share? Cause people were always reaching out to us when we have a large, one of the largest Twitter feeds that's not owned by any kind of media entity or the team or anything. It's just like a bunch of fans. People are constantly reaching out and saying, Hey, can you share this? Can you tweet this? You know, and we were really liberal in terms of like sharing other blogs and their opinions and stuff like that. You know, when it came to like people selling stuff, then I'd ask, I started asking questions because you're not just going to leverage our audience for your own financial gain. But so there's this one guy who's reaching, who reached out and said, Hey, um, 
I'm doing this raffle online. He had won a Mario Williams jersey, an autographed Mario Williams jersey. He actually won it from Summer Sanders, who was a gold medal Olympian. Yeah. Um, Bills fan. And so I'm not even like really super into memorabilia, but I can understand the significance that an item like this would have. You know, at the time, one of the most prominent players on the roster, you won it from a, you know, a gold medalist. <laughs> like there's a story here. Why would you want to get rid of it? And he goes on to tell me how he had won it. And his, uh, he saw it as an opportunity to raise money for his family because his daughter, uh, and they were like Western New York expats. They were living in North Carolina. Um, his daughter had to go to Sloan Kettering in New York City, you know, every few weeks to get chemotherapy uh, applied directly to her eye because she had retinoblastoma. And that was her remaining eye because her other eye had already been removed. So he's telling me this story and I'm, I'm tearing up reading it like this, this Twitter direct message before I go into work that day. Um, and I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. I'll retweet your tweet. You're good. <laughs> yeah. and, and something's, you know, so simple. And then I really had this idea, this thought, um, having just come off selling a couple, like I said, a couple popular shirt designs just through Teespring or whatever it was. Um, I had this thought like, you know, this is something I could probably do like regularly, regularly, um, and so I, you know, I used to go to this like men's like Bible study accountability group on Monday nights, sharing it with my friends and everything. I said, you know, telling this little girl's story and, you know, her dad's story and everything and talking about like, you know, like those fans, we are so hungry for merchandise. You know, we're so hungry for some way to rep our team in a new different way. I mean, I'm our biggest customer, right? <laughs> like all the shirts we put out, <laughs> we put them out because I enjoy them. Um, that's what started this whole thing. And as, as, as I think I could do, and I've always been a big t-shirt nerd. Like there's a lot of websites to sell a different t-shirt every day. I'm always checking out those sites to see what they're doing. I enjoy like the creativity and, and stuff. Um, and so I mentioned to my friends, I'm like, you know what? I think I could do like a shirt like every week, not every day, but every week. I think I could do a different shirt. I want, I want to do timely designs that are relevant to maybe what just happened on Sunday or, you know, are just fun, you know, that celebrate our fandom and stuff. And, they kind of walked me back off of that and said, well, you know, you're married, you have a full-time job, you have two kids. Try to come up with a new shirt every week. I, you it's know, not going to happen. So, right. I said, yeah, but I think I could do it every two weeks. Like, I know my schedule. I know my life. I think I could do it every two weeks if stuff kind of fell into place. My buddy Jake sitting right next to me on the couch. Um, he turns, he looks to me, he's like, that's like 26 shirts. I was like, yeah, I know, but I think Ding. I can pull it off. <laughs> exactly. And so... The next morning I wake up and it's like that term is staring me in the face. And it's such a weird term, like nobody was using it. So uh, I, you know, I registered a domain and, uh, you know, Twitter handle, Instagram, all that stuff, you know, the, the brandy stuff, uh, Facebook, and then put a, like a blog post together and explained my idea that I had. And um, like it was immediately received. Um with excitement on social media. In fact, a local news station reached out and wanted to do a story. Um, and so very quickly it took off. You know, I had artists, uh, and this is going to be like a one-year community service project. That was the whole plan. Like there's so 26 you, shirts. Right out of the gate, each shirt would represent a cause? Yeah, a different family is what I wanted Different to family. So first, yeah, so the first one was going to support Amber, you know, Scott's daughter, the one who had reached out to me. And I knew of other people that needed assistance and I knew that I could find other people because there's no shortage of, of help that's required or needed, right? And uh, so somebody reached out to me, owned a local shirt company and said, who's printing your shirts? 
then at that point I was thinking just Teespring or whatever I could find online. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, can we print your shirts? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, so now a local Buffalo shirt company is going to be handling all of this. And um, like I said, and so the news was pumping it like right from day one almost. And it just took off. And we had, you know, people were volunteering their artwork. We eventually reached a point where we were able to pay artists for their work. But like, it was just the whole idea was as we positioned it, like, look, we just want to help. We want to celebrate our fandom. We want to help people in crappy situations. And, you know, let's do this, be a part of it. And, you know, artists, like I said, artists immediately started reaching out to us. People started reaching out looking for help. Um, I was going to we say, what is that like, Del, when you, you get to this point, this inflection point, where you could be doing a shirt, not just a day, based on causes, right? I would imagine people reaching out, but I don't know, a shirt an hour. I mean, you know, you think about all the people. How do you, how have you managed that for yourself and the emotions behind it? Because for every Scott who's talking about his daughter that, you know, Amber, there are probably thousands more that would love to be supported, but you're only one person, you're only one group now. How have you compartmentalized that? I used to compartmentalize it um, because the first year or so, and I should just to finish up that story, it became immediately apparent that we were going to be able to do more than 26 shirts if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And now we actually do a shirt every week and we actually do like two shirts a week with our special editions we put out. But uh, now that I'm able to do this full time, um, which is its own little story, but um, to answer your question, like it, it was really taxing on me for a while at the outset, especially because you're like reaching out or these people are reaching out to you and they're sharing their stories with you and you're having phone conversations and sometimes meeting them in, in person, you're getting to know them. And then their daughter dies, you know, and, or their, you know, their, 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 their father dies or, or whatever. And it hits you, you know, I'm like, I'm not in, I'm not part of that family. I, I don't like claim to be like super in touch with those, you know, that, those, but like it, it bothers you. You just spent two weeks where you get to know this family, you get to know this little girl or whomever. And you spend two weeks, like basically on social media, pleading for people to either buy a shirt or donate to the, the GoFundMe that they have set up. And then that, so then that kind of like will take its legs out from under you because you're dealing with these people your week after week or two weeks after two weeks back then. Um, so it reached a point probably like two years into it where I started compartmentalizing it and I st- not, not intentionally either, but either, but like it was, um, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I was like turning these into like business transactions, almost like, okay, sure. We're going to do this for you. And it's going to do this. And, you know, we'll let you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was like, I think some subconscious like defense mechanism, but I realized I had this, you know, I had this thought like probably after a year of doing it that way, like took a step back and like, first of all, I realized what I was doing. And second of all, I realized like, I can't, I shouldn't be allowed to celebrate with a family when they have a good story, when a kid kicks cancer's butt or has her last chemo treatment or, or, or whatever is, you know, uh, you know, gets the, uh, I think it's called NED, like the no evidence of disease report after dealing with, with cancer. I, I shouldn't be allowed to celebrate those wins if I'm not willing to take the burden of those, of those losses as well, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I kind of took a step back and I, you know, brought the wall down and I've done, you know, since then I've done my best to stay real with these families because I've been doing this now full time since 2015. And this is like, this is my life. Like I started this not so I could make t-shirts. I started it so I could help families. And so if I focus too much on the t-shirts and the, the, the hats or whatever else we're making, if I'm putting all my energy into that, then 
I, 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 it's very easy to lose sight of why you started. And so I try to, as much as possible, have conversations with the families we're helping and, and, and get to know them and their situations. And it's tough, you know, now because, you know, it used to be every two weeks and it was a very, almost like slow drawn out process. And now we're doing one every week. Uh, there's still two weeks, but we overlap them because I got, I started getting frustrated that we weren't helping people fast enough, you know? And so we decided to start staggering them. Um, and then you also have the, sometimes we do special editions on Wednesday and stuff like that. So um, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> about no, I, oh I, yeah. So the whole point is like, it wears you down, but like, if this is, the, if this is it, if this is the gig, if this is, you know, what I'm doing, then I have to, I have to do it. I have to, every you have to hit every note and i can't just say like oh yeah we're gonna help this family with the shirt and then we'll help another family and i have to hit every note and so that's kind of where i'm at headroom is produced by old soul a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance reach out to my guy matt at old soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy that's old soul shoot matt a note at a oldsoul.com that's a o l d s o u l.com and now Back to our guest. Now, when you look back in retrospect, is is this is this the gig, using your term or job that you've been suited for, you've been prepping for, and you didn't even realize it, even when you yeah. were a kid? Absolutely. You just think back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always make the joke that my mom used to yell at me when I was elementary school because all I wanted to wear were novelty tees. That's what you call them. That was always my thing. I just wanted to wear a t-shirt. I wasn't interested in collars. I wasn't interested in sweaters. I was like some kind of funny thing on the front of the shirt. Did you look out for other kids? I mean, when, if we take that side of it, so, because this to me is much more to your point about sort of the branding and merchandising and all of that. This is about mm -hmm. helping that I can't fathom that that just started, you know, following a tweet and these sorts of things like this has been embedded in you from the word go. Uh, like I just have this image of, I mean, look, this is a very stark example in that regard, but you know, when you, and I'm not saying this, so I, hopefully you take it with the spirit of it, but it's like Schindler's List, right? There's a point in that movie where he, he panics that he is not helping enough. Mm. Like he's, he's talking um, with people and it's just, maybe we can sell one more thing that will bring one more family in this. You can feel the anxiety as the audience in that it's, it's overtaken him in that regard. Right. And so I think anytime anybody has found a platform or an avenue or a runway to help people that, gosh, if you do it once, maybe you can do it twice. If you can do a shirt every two weeks, you, why not stagger it, right? Um, have you always been on the lookout to, to help those in need of help um, just throughout your life in general? Yeah, I think, I, I think so. I mean, not until I, I was a little bit older. I was a stupid, selfish teenager and went through all that, you know, but, you know, um, I've always felt a responsibility that if you're watching television, and you see an issue and you say, somebody should really do something about that. Well, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> you know, who's going to do it? You, you, just, you believe that somebody should do it. Uh, you're an able-bodied human, like get to work, do something about it. Um, and so that's kind of been a little bit of a, almost like a subconscious thing for a long time. It wasn't until like, I actually saw the opportunity. I think I've always believed you should serve others. You should, give you know whenever you're able to in, in whatever fashion but i never thought this would be like my vocation or my lifestyle or anything like that but um, when i had the when i saw the opportunity like this power that social media brings and you know with the attention like how can you not if you have the ability 
either as you know somebody with an influence i use that the, the finger quotes on social media or a business idea that has the ability to to turn a profit like how can you not use that to help others like my, my you know my wife and i we live in kenmore which is a little inner ring suburb of the city and you know there's no mansions in kenmore <laughs> there's no sprawling ranches or anything like that like our house is like a hundred and something years old and um i don't have to drive a a Ferrari or, or anything like that. Like if, if my needs are met, like if my kids are fed and you're good and we're good, like what, why do you need a faster car? Why do you need a, a bigger house? Like there's only four of us. And especially now my daughters are 18 and almost 16. Like there's only four of us soon. There's going to be three of us in the house, you know, the next few years, I'm sure. And then it'll be two. And like, we don't need these things. And so if you're given one chance, you know, you have, you get one life, you might as well, if you're good, then you should do everything you can to help people who aren't good in that respect, you know, bring them up to at least good as much as, as you can. Tell me about, I would imagine this is very personal in this regard that there's, you get to that point and I can sense it and hopefully the listener can, but just even in, in on video, you seem very comfortable now in your skin that you've probably gone back and forth through the process of building 26 shirts and Bill's mafia where, Hey guys, it's not me. Like I just had this silly idea, you know, don't, it's just not about putting praise on you, but at some point you, I would imagine you have to take a little bit of ownership of that to help move it up the mountain as well. Right. So there's that delicate balance of, yeah, I'm that guy. And I need to be that guy to make the difference. But I also don't want the praise that sounds like it's 21st century people and branding and, you know, Oh, look at me. When did you feel you could feel a difference in yourself, the comfort level that you had in being who you are and what you've built in that regard, taking ego out of it. Well, I mean, you know, as somebody who was picked on pretty hard in middle school and elementary school and a lot of high school, uh, I don't know if ego's ever been a real issue with, with me, but um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it just, it reached a point and I don't, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking or not uh, being, 46 now, uh, going on 66 some days, feeling the mind of a, maybe a 26-year-old, a feeling like he's going on 66. But um, it reached a point where it just didn't like, like, I used to be a web developer, okay? Like before I was doing this full-time, I was a web developer at a local cancer hospital. And I used to think I had to do everything. I had to be good at everything. Like if I'm building out a website, I have to be able to, to set up the, the you know, the video links. I have to be able to do the the the, uh, the cascading style sheets, and I have to make sure that I'm you know my my database backend is efficient, and all the all the connectors into it from the, the coder. So I used to think I had to do I had to be expert at everything, I had to be good at everything, and I wasn't good at everything. And then you could translate that into to any anybody can translate that into their own life. You know, I'm a crappy homeowner. You know, <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> I, I always look at it as I can either tr try and do the job myself and pay an expert to come in and fix what I did and then do it correctly, or I can just hire an expert to begin with. So I, I'm not, I'm not too prideful in that respect. So that's the nice thing about when you realize that like you have flaws, when you stop lying to yourself and you realize like, I'm just not good at this, this thing or this certain aspect, then it's freeing. And so I, I try to be as, you know, um, as open as possible and, and make sure that, and like I said, at the outset, like I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't like, I'm not some huge marketing expert. I don't have any degrees in anything like that, you know? Um, 
but life is just easier when you stop lying to yourself and you stop trying to put yourself in situations that you're really not equipped to be in. Was there a moment in building this Dell where you, you had that thought that in essence, I need to stop lying to myself that I either have this ability to do this or was there that moment in this process where you kind of said, all right, I don't know about this process specifically, more just in life in general. I, I think um, it's exhausting when you try to do everything and you try to do everything in your own strength or you, you try to um, be, I guess, fake, you know, in a lot of ways, like whether you're being fake with yourself or fake with others, like it's exhausting. Isn't it easier just to say like, yo, yeah, this, I'm terrible at this, <laughs> you know, or like, I'm like, you know, or even something like, you know, um, even, even getting older, like, I don't care. I'm getting gray. I'm getting wrinkles. Like, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like some people are really, you know, self-conscious about that in their lives. And that's fine. That doesn't, doesn't bother me so much. It's like I got bags under my eyes because I don't sleep enough. I got like, you know, like I have like a mess often, but um, it's just, it is what it is. Like if you can't change it, then why not just embrace it? Or at least don't be ashamed of it or don't, you know, don't, um, don't run away from it. You know, if you, if you can change it, you know, in my case, maybe get more sleep, you know, maybe, you know, whatever, but, um, I just look at it as it's, the sooner you become comfortable in your own skin, the sooner you accept your own faults, you know, the, and there's some things you can, you can fix in your life. Like if you're not good at certain things mentally, you can do exercises to sharpen yourself in other areas. You can, you can develop skills. You know, not everybody's good at something until they try to learn it well. But, um, if there's something you're just not equipped for, you're just not built to do, then just own it. Just like, yeah, I suck at that. You know, it's so much easier. And I don't know. So it's more of like a life thing, I think, for me. But it became very obvious early on with Bills, with when the Bills Mafia thing took off, when people were asking me, like, "Oh, what are your opinions on this with the Bills, and what about this?" And, what, and I felt like I had to know everything. I had to have an answer for everybody. And once I realized, like, listen, I'm not, an, I'm not a beat reporter. I didn't play professional football. I'm not an announcer. I never, I don't have any media training. So I'll just tell you what I think. I'm just a fan. I'll tell you my fan opinion. I guarantee, if you want to know how something's gonna go ask me for my opinion, like in terms of how a game's going to go. And then whatever I tell you, the opposite is what's going to happen. Bet the opposite. <laughs> Bet the opposite, right? <laughs> it's a miracle I picked the Rams yesterday because, um, I, in fact, I, as I fired off that tweet, I was like, you know what, I'll bet Cincinnati wins now because I'm never right. So, um, <laughs> so you just own it. You just own it. So now you said you, you kind of dropped in there um, as an aside, but before Bill's Mafia, you were a web developer for uh, – cancer institution or like a healthcare facility? Yeah, Roswell Park uh, Comprehensive Cancer Cancer Center is what it's called now. It's uh, the only national cancer institute um, designated facility in New York State. It's actually the first um, that ever existed in New York or in, in the country. Now, was so that I by accident there. or just chance that you happened to take that? I mean, you're you know, you're a technical guy and you get it, you get it, there's an opening and you take it, or is it, is there a more romantic notion of that, that you're a kid who was picked on in school, you, you have an emotional radar that's pretty fine tuned, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, that'd be my hunch. If we're placing bets here, like in the game <laughs> and uh, you know, if you're going to do web development, why not do it in a place that makes a difference? Yeah. It'd be a cool story if I said that, right. But really yeah, right. it was, it was uh, I got, I got laid off from the job I was at and there was an opening at Roswell and I got the position um, but you know, forensically, if I look back at my own life, I think that seeing kids, well, it's a, it's a couple of different factors. First of all, I always say having kids makes you soft, right? So I have two daughters and, you know, before them, I would watch something like extreme 
makeover home edition, these families or whatever. You're like, okay, that's a story. That's cool. Once you have kids, like it just softens you right up. You find yourself, you're crying because you're watching, you know, kids who have UV allergies at Disney World at the middle of the night, you know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, one story that always stuck with me. So kids make you soft, first of all. But secondly, um, when you work at Roswell, it's not unusual if you're going from one meeting to the other. It's a big campus. You have to walk through the hospital and you see not only kids, but people of all walks of life, you know, going from, you know, one place to another and they're walking with an IV pole, you know, or, you know, they're bald and you know, they're not, they didn't choose to be bald and things like that. And it really hits home. Like, wow, this is, you know, we really are in a lot of ways here. We're making a difference, you know? And then towards the end of my tenure there, like I was working on the ride for Roswell website, which is their largest fundraiser uh, that they do. And you, you see how people's lives are literally changed. I mean, you, I mean, there. When I was there, I'm sure it's way more now. But it was like, like 4.4 million dollars was raised through one ride for Roswell campaign, um, and just knowing how the how the institute is set up, you know, how the hospital is set up and the research is set up, knowing that they're putting that money to good use, like it's really it is inspiring. So, I would say that that's where a lot of this maybe came from, like in terms of actionable choices that I was making. Yeah, it's almost like a film strip. It, it, it was coming in front of your, it was in view, mm-hmm. right? And impacted you. Yeah. What have you, Del, what have you learned about yourself that's been surprising or in a reflection and a moment of having even a conversation with your wife that you just didn't even realize how it's impacted you over time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is going to sound corny. I don't mean for it to, I don't mean for it to sound like egotistical or self-aggrandizing, but you know, one person can make a difference. You know, and and people say like, well, what can I do? Well, I don't know. I thought up an idea to sell t-shirts and we ended up raising over $1.3 million for families in crappy situations over the past eight years. So why don't you come up with an idea? Why don't you think of something or, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not just me. I'm not saying it's just me. Obviously we have a team. We have all that contributing. Like, I don't, I don't ever try to take credit for 26 shirts. Um, But uh, it was an idea, you know? And and so I think that's the main thing is in, in terms of inspirational story. Um, I, uh, I used to do, uh, <laughs> I, before COVID and stuff now, and then I would do like, uh, uh, like speaking to students at schools and stuff like that. And I had this, there's one uh, presentation I would give called be the spark because one idea can, can change, can start a fire. Right. And so that was the, the idea that I would, uh, I give the kids like these light up glow sticks. I tell them, don't light them yet. Wait till the lights go off. And I'd have the administration turn off the lights and then they, you know, I say, okay, you, first you guys do your stick and then go across the auditorium until eventually the whole auditorium is lit up with these glow sticks. Um, and it's a good illustration to show how just one person can create a wildfire. And so um, I don't know if that answers your question or not. I, I tend to ramble. So hopefully that helps. No, but, no. I think um, you're taking us on a wonderful journey of just You've maintained your hum- humility, which I think is a, is definitely ingrained in 26 shirts and what you're doing. Um, a lot of people would have potentially taken this in a lot of different paths, and I don't think would have helped as many people. Um, let's talk about, so you've raised over you know, $1.3 million in, in climbing, right? That's not a static number. We're, this is just sort of a living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how many families would you estimate that you have impacted, and how many, dare I say, are on the waiting list to sort of get within the the network of influence and support of 26 shirts? Yeah, so that's a great question. Let me give you a real-time answer. 
over 600 families and that doesn't that doesn't count the uh special editions we've done to help you know nonprofits and, and different charities you know in western new york and beyond that's incredible yeah, so i guess a lot i guess a lot hopefully you yeah, know and some families we've helped better than than others you know i hate to yeah. say that because it's you can't i every time i talk to them you know before we start the campaign i say listen we don't we have no we can't control the market you know we can't guarantee people are going to like the shirt we put out we can't guarantee people are going to like enough to buy it we can guarantee you that we're going to do our best to make the best design at this time that we can the most relevant design after that we have to leave it up to the customers um yeah. so i mean there's some families we've raised a few hundred dollars for and i feel bad saying that and then we have you know one guy last year we raised out excuse me over 25 grand for him in his situation and then we did one campaign in 2020 where we raised almost seventy thousand dollars that was split between two different food banks one in the u.s one in canada wow. um so it's kind of all over the place you know yeah. like we do our best and still growing but, you know it's still growing yeah and so how long is the wait list or how does that process work for people that are looking for assistance that are that are in that area? Um, but, I, you know, look, Adele, I hope that I mean, we've heard of Bill's Mafia or, or sort of factions of it. It seems like in other parts of prof professional sports and athletes and just sort of the notion of contributing to the opposing teams, charities in that regard. So hopefully people hear you uh, and all the press that you guys do or our conversation and say, man, I'm in Cleveland or I'm in Nashville or I'm in LA and I want to do something like that. Mm -hmm. So how does that process work for people that are trying to be, you know, on the, in the batter's box? I mean, if they want to do something in their area? No, I'm, I'm talking about families that need support. Like how does that oh, work? Sure, I mean, sure. and how, yeah. So people reach out to me. It's a, there's a, you know, um, a link on our website and everything. And uh, our wait list now is about, I think around like 15 or 20 families. It's really, we've managed to keep it lower since we started doing one a week as opposed to one mm -hmm. every two weeks. It was really unwieldy. Um, and so, you know, I, I make sure they understand how long the wait is. And I'll say like, just so you know, is we're about four months out right now or five months out. And then once it gets closer, I'll reach out to you and we'll connect a little stronger and everything. Um, but, you know, so I, I do my best to vet those requests. You know, honestly, in the past like eight plus years, there we've not really had, to my knowledge, you know, um, too many shysters or anything like that who are just looking for, for free money. Um, there's been a, a, maybe like over the eight years, maybe two or three that I've like politely declined to help, but like everybody else has been pretty genuine been pretty legit. Yeah. It's yeah. Been legit. And so, and you, I mean, I'd like to think you could tell when you talk to these families, like the situation that they're going through. What's the relationship uh, with 26 shirts and the Buffalo bills and the NFL? How is that going? Yeah, no um, it's funny. We've actually, you know, we're very respectful of intellectual property. That's one thing. And that's something we have to be very careful of in, in this space because the t-shirt business, as I've learned, it's slimy. <laughs> like you, all you gotta do is scroll through your Facebook home feed for a couple minutes and you'll start seeing t-shirts from someone else or some fly-by-night operation that's got like IP that doesn't belong to them blasted all over the shirt or the, the, the cap or whatever. Um, we're, I like to think we're built for the long term. So we're not trying to, we're not, trying to get in and get out or, or anything like that. Um, so, um, you know, because of the, you know, I guess the position that I have in Bill's fandom, you know, I have, I do have a little bit of a dotted line relationship with the Bills and, um, and they know, they, they understand why 26 shirts exist and what our goal is and how we are absolutely not trying to steal anybody's IP or anything like that. And so we've actually had the opportunity to work with, with them and with the Sabres. Uh, they're both owned by the same owner. 
especially more so over the past year. We're out, we've done three shirts with the Sabres. We got two more on deck and we did a, a collab with the Bills back in November. So um, it's, you know, it's all like, you know, officially unofficial and everything. And there's no like standing agreements or anything like that in terms of merchandise or whatever, but they, they understand why, you know, we exist and they understand, you know, they've actually in, in some ways they've helped explain to me how the NFL licensing works. And like, so now I know where the, the landmine, you know, where are. the line is. Right. Exactly. And, um, we do our best not to get too close to that line. Um, but you know, if there's ever an issue, like, <laughs> the, you know, we'll find out and, you know, we'll, we'll quickly adjust it, but that hasn't happened too much at all because I think we've, after doing this for as long as we've been doing it now, I think we, we know what we can do and what we can't do. Um, you know, and it's just a challenge for us to be to be more clever with our designs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We have to, we just it's it's kind of lazy if you just slap a logo on something. So let let's let's wrap on this still. So I would imagine that as this has grown and you've got the dotted line to the Bills and and now the Sabers and these sorts of opportunities, is it fair or foul to say that this? I would think would open up your your canvas, your your imagination into what can be a two point oh a three in in making a difference in integrating in partners and other organizations i would just think that now this is your full-time gig right i mean you you are married to this in so many ways uh for better or worse that now maybe the paintbrush is is at your disposal and so what does that look like for you given the success that you've got and now people trusting you uh and what 26 shirts can can accomplish that's a really big question (laughs) you know it's a big canvas i'm sure right yeah it's (laughs) It's there's a lot of opportunities, I suppose, and some of them we haven't even realized them yet. You know, we want to get into other ways that we can help. And I always joke that we're called 26 shirts. And we've grown to the point now where we do more than 26 and we do more than shirts. So the name is kind of stupid at this point, but hashtag branding. So we can't get rid of it. <laughs> but um, just, you know, any opportunity there is to do good in Western New York and maybe eventually beyond. Like we have done you know, stuff in other cities in the past. We decided in the past couple of years just to focus on Buffalo because that's where we're getting the most bang for the buck, you know, but um, anytime there's an opportunity to do good, whether it's a shirt or uh, whether it's merchandise or an event or any kind of act, then we want to be a part of that. We want to make a difference. You know, like I said before, like with great power comes great responsibility and we've been blessed with a little power over the past couple of years. So we really want to do what we can to make a difference in, in people's lives and um, just use, use these powers for good. Where can people go? I want to make sure that regardless of if they live in Buffalo or not, I think people who want to support and buy merchandise because they know it's going to a good cause and helping families, where should they go? Yeah, just 26shirts.com. And we're on all the socials at just 26shirts, just two six shirts. You can you know take a look and you know look through some of our, our on our front page, we have like our volume designs, like volume 10 shirt, 14 or 15 or whatever it is we're on. You can click through there. And even if you're not a Bills fan, read the story of the family we're helping. There's often a link to a GoFundMe or something. Um, we always, we, I always joke, like we never want our shirts to get in the way of helping somebody. So even with Bills fans, I always joke and say, hey, even if the shirt sucks, <laughs> go help the family if you can, you know, because we don't want to get in the way of, you know, of the help that they need. Well, we've got to get some Bill's Mafia gear here at the uh, at the Burger House. Uh, you're doing some amazing work, and I'm an incredible sports fan. I, you know, that's my one of my personal passions, and to see what, how you've now woven that into making a massive difference and giving a, an incredible blueprint for people across the country and the world to think about contributing. 
while maintaining community and, and, you know, the city of good neighbors, I think is a fantastic mantra for, for what you're doing in the city you reside. And we want to thank Del Reed, co-founder of Bill's Mafia. Thanks, Del. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.